My name is Larry Southard. I'm a former elder of Living Waters Church, and with all three of our current elders out of town for the weekend, uh, I get the privilege of introducing our preacher today. He is Dave Eaton. Dave, would you please come forward so I can talk about you up here? (laughs) It's such a privilege for me to um, welcome Dave and introduce him. I love this brother so much, admire and respect him. He has quite a history. He and his wife, Donna, they are founding members of Living Waters Church back in 1981 and um, just been faithful and, and leaders in the community. Dave was a city councilman for nine consecutive years. Following that, he was mayor of Shelbyville for two terms. Then he stepped away from Shelbyville. That was eight years. Then he stepped away from Shelbyville, went to Simpsonville, where he was city manager for 14 years. And during that time, he was instrumental in bringing the outlet mall to Simpsonville. Uh, While he was serving 14 years in Simpsonville, his wife Donna was serving 12 years on the Shelbyville City Commission. And then Dave left Simpsonville, came back to Shelbyville, and served one more term as mayor. I got it all right. He nodded yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he just recently retired from that responsibility. And I'm really happy to report that now this man with so much godly wisdom and and character and knowledge of budgets and accounting and finances is now serving on the Living Waters Finance Committee. So, yes. (laughs) So... uh, Wow, what a life so far, and you're just getting started. I hope so. Okay, let me pray for you, Dave. Father, I thank you for this dear brother of mine, uh, so important in this community. What a wonderful history. Lord, um, just having a, a man like this in leadership for so long has been such a huge blessing to the community, to Shelbyville, Simpsonville, Shelby County. And, uh, Lord, I I pray that you'd bless Dave and Donna really, really well for all their years of faithful service. And uh, thank you for their faithfulness in serving you all the way through and uh, for their love of you and their love of people. They truly are abandoned to God and compassionate toward people. So I ask your blessing to be upon Dave as he preaches now, your anointing, that you'll guide and direct, and you'll prepare all of our hearts to hear, to receive, and to respond according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, good morning. Oh, well, 10 months ago, uh, I was given the privilege of being up here and being able to uh, uh, share the Word of God with you during that 10 months, and it was a real blessing for me to be able to do that. But uh, one thing I didn't know when I was up here is my two granddaughters were critiquing me. And so... uh, they gave me some pointers and things that I, where I could do a better job this time. So uh, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a little better job. But one of the things is my oldest granddaughter, Sydney, uh, she said, Paul, you told people how old you were. You never do that. You don't tell people how old you are. I said, okay, I won't do that anymore. So if you forgot how old I was last year, it's tough. I'm not going to tell you anymore. And then my uh, next granddaughter, Abby, says, Papa, the pants you wore up there were too baggy, all right? So I got critiqued on my, my attire. 
So what I'm wearing today is with the seal of approval of my two oldest granddaughters. So they won't be able to do that anymore. <laughs> now, most of you here know me as the former mayor of the city of Shelbyville, or you know me as the city administrator uh, for the city of Simpsonville. And uh, there, there are some here, however, who've been here long enough, uh, th- that wasn't my career. I, I didn't go, come out of college to get involved with local politics. Uh, when, when I first came here, I was a Shelby County public school teacher. And that's what I did uh, when, I, when I first started back in 1976. And so I did that before I got into the, the local politics. And I was a math teacher and a basketball coach at uh, Shelby County East Middle School and also at Shelby County High School. And many of you in here today, I taught your children in school. In fact, the, there are some people that are members here that I taught them in school. All right? And one of the people that I taught in school was my daughter, Carol. Poor thing. All right? She came to Shelby County East Middle School in the sixth grade. And so for three years, she has to be at the same school as her father. That's tough on a kid, to be at the same school as their father. And to make it even worse, she had me for eighth grade algebra one. So lo and behold, she's ready to graduate eighth grade from Shelby County East Middle School. She's getting ready to go to Shelby County High School, get away from her father. And guess what happens? I transfer to Shelby County High School. (laughs) And for four more years, she has to go to the same school as her daddy. And she had me again for Algebra 2. So my poor daughter had seven years of having to be in the same school as her father, had him in class twice. So she's a strong girl. She's a strong girl. So during my career as a teacher, I taught from sixth grade math to pre-algebra, Algebra 1, geometry, Algebra 2, Uh, business math. I taught all kinds of different uh, mathematics subjects. Uh, But my favorite course that I always taught was Algebra 1. I love Algebra 1. And during that time, and I'm sure it still happens today, there were a lot of people in the community who said, we don't need to teach that stuff. All we need to do is teach the basics, teach them how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. That's all they need to know. If they can do that, they can do anything. Well, of course, I don't agree with that. So during that time, like I said, my favorite subject was Algebra 1 because from my perspective, Algebra 1 is a basic foundational math course. It is foundational. And during that time, I I think it's important to know how to answer, trap, multiply, divide, but you got to build upon those foundations. So the title of my message today is Building Foundations, Creating Legacies. Building Foundations, Creating Legacies. Now, even students who were strong mathematically, when they would walk into Algebra 1, they'd get all shaky. There's just something about Algebra 1 that would really uh, just, just hit them the wrong way. So it was my job to try to get them to understand that, no, it's not as hard as you think it is. It's not as difficult as you think it is. 
So what we're going to do to start out today is we're going to have a math lesson. We're going to have a math lesson, and I'm going to show you how I led my students into Algebra 1. And I promise you this is going to lead into some good foundational uh, scriptural uh, lessons today. So what I would do is I would put up uh, on the board. Back then, we didn't have all this computer stuff. I used a blackboard with chalk. That's, that's how I taught school. And um, so I would put up there that equation that you see on the board. X plus 3 is equal to 8. And I would ask the kids, what's the answer? Five. Everybody knew it was five. Well, this is easy, Mr. Eaton. It's five. I said, okay. Why is it five? Crickets. Crickets. Nobody could tell you anything. Why is it five? And so it gave me an opportunity to teach them a basic, fundamental concept of mathematics. Is that when there's an equation... As long as you do exactly the same thing to both sides of the equation, you change how it looks, but you don't change the fact that they're equal. So there's the next step. You would say x plus 3 minus 3 equals 8 minus 3. I did exactly the same thing to both sides of the equation. And, of course, 3 minus 3 is 0, so all you got left is the x. And then on the other side of the equation, you got your math problem, 8 minus 3. That's why x is equal to 5. That's why x is equal to 5. So I said, all right, why is this important? Why is that important? Because kids would say to me, why do we have to do that? We already know the answer is 5. Why do I have to do x plus 3 minus 3? equals 8 minus 3. I said, okay, this is why. So I put the next problem up for them, and here it is. X plus 3 and 7 eighths equals 8 and 3 fourths. And I said, what's the answer? They couldn't do that one in their head. They couldn't do that. I said, but you know what? The foundational rule doesn't change. Foundational rule doesn't change. So the next step is exactly the same as the other problem. The same rule applies. X plus 3 and 7 eighths minus 3 and 7 eighths equals the other side of the problem. 3 and 7 eighths minus 3 and 7 eighths is zero. So all you got left is the X. The same fundamental foundational rule. And the answer is, I ain't going to tell you. Those of you that have uh, calculators on your phones, they work in decimals, so you're going to spend the rest of the service wondering what the answer is. <laughs> the steps are important. So come test time, I would make it very, very clear to my students, very clear, that if you want to get full credit for the problem that you're, you're going to be doing on my test, you have to show me the steps. And sure enough, somebody would do this. X plus 3 equals 8, X equals 5. They wouldn't show me the steps, and when I graded their paper, I took points off their grade, and they would be furious. That's not fair, Mr. Eaton. You took points off my grade, and I got the right answer. Tough. 
there were rules that we expected you to follow, steps that you were supposed to take. The whole idea of teaching you this was to teach you the fundamental steps so that you could see what the answer was. And I take points off their score. So how does Algebra 1 and this foundation relate to our walk with God? Now, first of all, God's in the numbers. If, if, if you read the Bible at all, God's always in the numbers. And I decided to pick one thing that God did that used some numbers. Uh, and it comes from the sixth chapter of Genesis. And we're going to take a little look at Noah's Ark. We're going to take a little look at Noah's Ark. And in Genesis 6.14... It says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. If we can leave the picture up there. I'd... All right. Now, what if God had stopped there? Noah, make me an ark. Put some pitch on it, make some rooms. I don't know about you, but if he was to tell me to do that today... I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But no, but God didn't stop there. God showed Noah how to build the ark. He got specific. He showed him the steps. Now, the Bible speaks in cubits. And, of course, a cubit is from your elbow to the tip of your finger, so it, it varies a little bit you know, between some people. Uh, but in today's English, God told Noah to build an ark, and this is an ark right here from uh, uh, Williams, Williamstown, Kentucky, and it was 510 foot long, 85 foot wide, and 51 foot high. God told Noah where to put the doors, how many decks to build, how high to place the roof, God got specific. And I'm sure he got more specific, too. He just didn't put it all in the Word because there's a lot of specifics. And I want to encourage you, if you've never been to see this, go see it. It's incredible. You don't get the real feeling of how, what a monstrosity it is until you actually go see it. And I went there recently with, uh, with my grandson, Eli, and uh, it's so big, you know, for us older folk, they had elevators. I mean, it's huge. And yet God told Noah to do this. So God made this overwhelming request of Noah. He said, Noah, here's your task. And Noah knew the answer, X equals five. He knew the answer. But God showed him the steps. God was specific. This is how you do it. So when we're walking with, our, with God, just as important as the final answer, just as important as the go, are the steps to reach that go. Our journey, our walk to reach that go, that outcome is often as important or even more important than the final answer itself because God uses that to teach us. 
The steps matter. They matter. Because that's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we expand our foundations. And once we expand our foundations, we have the opportunity to walk with God even deeper, even more. And that walk, that journey is so important because many times God sends us on a walk and we don't know what the answer is. Anybody know what 8 and 3 fourths minus 3 and 7 eighths is yet? I bet a couple's been working on it. But we don't always know what the answer is. But what we do know is that every step that we take, he takes it with us. Every step. So if we learn the steps, if we listen to what he tells us to do, then our walk can take us deeper and deeper and deeper. We have to walk by faith. So just like that algebra one problem, with the one with the fractions, we may not be able to see the answer, but we can count on the steps. Just like we can count on God if we just follow his pathways. Trust the foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. So let's talk about building construction for a little bit. And a lot, some people here have been involved with that. But uh, the first step when you build a building is we build what's called footers. And the reason I know this is in my job as the mayor of Shelbyville, we had a building inspector. And before anything is done with that house, before a basement's poured, before it's framed, uh, before you put a roof on, windows in, a door in, it doesn't matter. It has to pass inspection. The footers have to pass inspection before anything else takes place. And why is that? Because if the foundation's not firm, guess what's going to happen to the rest of the house? It's not going to stand. It's not going to stand. And there's another reason why they have to be inspected first. That's because after you put in your basement and you put up your walls and you do everything else, You can't see them anymore. You don't see the footers. They're not there. So think about it. When you see this beautiful home, and it's got nice shutters and good color schemes and everything that's involved with it, uh, you don't see the foundation. How many people drive by a house and say, nice footers? (laughs) You don't see them. And from an earthly perspective, that's the way it's supposed to be. But we want to look at things from a spiritual foundation. Because when it comes to the kingdom of God, the footer is not hidden. We know who the foundation is. We know who the rock is. And when we build upon that foundation, what we build is... Lift up the foundation to expose it, to expose the foundation for all to see. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. From a spiritual standpoint, you want to expose the foundation because we know who the rock is. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 25, says as follows. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. You know what's really incredible about this truth? Is that the truth about Jesus being the rock, being the foundation, is that because of his grace and his mercy, he allows us to be a part of it. He allows us to be a part of it. And he does that by letting us build on the foundations that he and others have laid. On Jesus, on the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And we can go throughout the entire Bible and get example after example after example where God was the foundation. We can look at Abraham, the father of nations. I mean, what a foundation he laid. We look at Moses and Joshua, King David, which we're talking about now through our series. Daniel, Paul, these are our Bible heroes. And every one of them stood on a foundation and created more foundations. And then there's Peter. Poor Peter. But you know what? In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said this to Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So God expects us, all of us, to lay foundations as well. Foundations that others can grow from, that they can learn from, that they can, most importantly, build upon. When we lay foundations, it's not to stay stagnant. We build foundations so others can come behind us and build upon those foundations. He wants us to build a foundation for one reason, so that we can create a legacy. Now, I want to talk for you for a few minutes about the meaning of the word legacy. Now, my last few months of being the mayor of Shelbyville before I retired, I had several very well-meaning people would come up to me, and they say, you've created a great legacy for yourself. People will remember you. It's kind of nice. Kind of nice. So I started thinking, well, really, what is a legacy all about? What is a legacy all about? And so I looked up and got some definitions, you know, because, uh, you know, it's normal for people to want to be remembered. And the first definition we found out there had to deal with the financial part of it. It's an amount of money or property left to someone in a will. So when the Lord calls you home and you have your will, that's your legacy that you're leaving to your children, grandchildren, whoever it is that you leave it to. But the second definition says it's the long-lasting impact of particular actions, events that took place in the past or in a person's life. So from an earthly perspective, legacy is often looked at as Will I be remembered? But from a spiritual 
perspective, legacy is looked at a little differently. From a spiritual perspective, legacy is looked at, did my life make a difference? Did my life make a difference? Did others benefit from my efforts? After I'm gone, will what I did still make a difference? So let's talk first about the earthly perspective. Now, it's human nature to want to be... We all want to be remembered. It's human nature. You know, that. but the reality is, for most people, over time, earthly remembrance is only temporary. That's just a fact. And over time... You may remember somebody's name, but you don't really remember them. In my case, the last time I saw my father alive was at mine and Donna's wedding. Six weeks later, he was killed in an accident. And the net result of that was neither one of my children, Carol and Matt, got a chance to meet their grandfather. Neither one. So it kind of stands to reason it's kind of hard for them to tell their children, my grandchildren, much detail about my father than they ever had a chance to meet. They have no personal knowledge. And so it's going to be hard for them, my grandchildren, to tell their children sometime in the future about their great-grandfather. But that's the way earth is set up. It's, it's just the way it is. And it's not just us. It can be famous people, too. Now, I'm going to put the names of four famous people up here. Okay. Elbridge, Elbridge Gary, Thomas Haywood Jr., Thomas Lynch Jr., and William Packer. If you know who they are, raise your hand. There's one. Most people don't know who they are. Those are famous people. Now, let me put four more names up there. I bet you know who it is now. John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock, Thomas Jefferson. Guess what they did? What did they sign? The Declaration of Independence. So did those four. But we don't know that. Even famous people. I mean, the found, they went through the same thing as the bottom four did. Their lives were in danger. They sacrificed, but most people don't know who they are. Two of them were from South Carolina. One was from Maryland. I think one was from uh, uh, New Hampshire. But most people don't know who they are because that's history. And you can look them up in, the, in your history book, and you'll, you'll, their names will be there. And the other thing is, if you look at things, if you want to be remembered from an earthly perspective, of course we all want to be remembered, but you know what? We want to be remembered in our way. And the reality is, if people are going to remember you, they're going to remember you in their way. And it might not all be positive. Because our faults are often exposed. So let's go back to our Bible heroes that we mentioned earlier. <clears throat> They did some incredible things using godly foundations. But their mistakes were also exposed in the Word of God. Abraham did not stand firm on God's promise. 
that he and Sarah would have a son. The result was Ishmael. You know, it wasn't until 14 years later that Isaac was born. I'm sure he, he wishes that wasn't in the Bible. We all know Moses did not enter the promised land because he broke faith with God at, at, at the wells of Miramah. And that's in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12. We all know about the fallacies of King David. We're talking about King David. What a, I mean, what an incredible man King David was. A man after God's own heart, and yet God still exposed his weaknesses, still exposed his mistakes. And then once again, poor Peter. The same man that Jesus declared he would build his church upon, later denied him three times. I can guarantee you Peter wishes that wasn't in the Bible, that we didn't know about that part. But from an earthly perspective, not only our positives, but our negatives can be remembered as well. So the truth is, it is in our nature to want to be appreciated. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be appreciated. Nothing. I mean, you work hard for something, it's nice to have somebody say, thank you. Once in a while, it's nice to be appreciated for what you do. It's, it's, it's fair to want to be recognized for your accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your efforts were only to receive that recognition, if that was the whole purpose of you doing what you were doing was to receive recognition, then we've already received our reward. The, the Word makes that very clear. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, over the years, I've been blessed to be recognized several times. And so I, I chose one of the recognitions that was, was, means something to me. And this is a recognition I got when I was, in 2021, I was named the Shelby County Distinguished Citizen of the Year. And the reason this is important to me is not because I got recognition, it's because of what it was used for. It was used to raise money for the scouting program. So if they could use my name to do something good for somebody else, I was okay with that. And we raised tens of thousands of dollars to help scouting in Shelby County. And every year they do this. They choose somebody else, and they use that as a foundation to raise money to promote scouting programs. So this award has a, has a little meaning to me. But you know what? One day when I'm gone, this is going to be in the landfill. That's where it's going to be. I can promise you my two children are not going to argue over who gets to keep this. Now, they might argue over who has to take it, 
But I'm going to solve that problem for them because I'm going to make sure it's not available, hopefully, you know, when I'm gone. I don't want to put them in that position. It's tough sometimes when kids uh, in, inherit stuff, and you don't want to get rid of it. It was your parents. So I'm not going to put my kids in that position. They don't need my junk. They don't need the plaques that I've got or the trophies that I've got. They're material things. They're material things. What I want them to have is good memories of their father and have the opportunity to build upon foundations I laid for them. That's what's important to me. So we want to look at this now from a spiritual perspective. What's spiritual legacy? And we're going to start off with Psalms chapter 78. And it says, Oh, my people, it's cha- uh, verses 1 through 4, I'm sorry. It says, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from the old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. That's spiritual legacy. Right there. We're promoting the Lord. His power and the wonders he has done. And then again in Psalm 145. Again, verses 1 through 4. It says, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and forever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Spiritual legacy is lifting up Jesus Christ. That's what spiritual legacy is. And it's not just the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 relays this to foundations. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else, someone else, is building upon it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than one that's already laid, which is Christ Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand. So spiritual legacy means what are we leaving to the next generation that will glorify God? That's the legacy we want to leave. Whether we remember it or not, from an earthly perspective, it doesn't really matter. I know it's hard for some to hear, but it's true. And you know why? Because Hebrews 6.10 says this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown to him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. The only person I want to make sure remembers my name is God Almighty and Jesus Christ. If my name's remembered, then I'm in good shape. 
whether you remember me or not. So it's important to build a spiritual legacy. So I'm going to share a couple with you today in terms of the legacy of this church. Now, I had, I've been privileged. I, I was a part of this church from day one when we came from Graffenburg and, and, st- and started this fellowship. And when we built this building, what you see right here is all we had. That's all we had. We didn't have the hallways or, or the gathering place or the, or the places out front. You know, all we had was this. That was it. And during that time, Brother Joel and Carol, the leadership of this church and the members of this church, they felt God's call to start a Christian school. In, in this room, right here. In, in those days... Uh, the, the podium was up front over here where, where Frank Fig is sitting. That's where the podium was, okay? And we came through the back. Uh, it wasn't even quite as big as it was now because there was another room across there that had offices, a couple bathrooms in it. And in here, in this little area, we put a school. The people of this church made a commitment, and they honored it. They donated materials. They donated their time. We had teachers that taught for free. Taught for free. All right? And most every Sunday after service, we would have to rearrange the sanctuary to get prepared for school on Monday. You want to talk about fun. (laughs) Okay? And we didn't have these nice chairs here. They were metal chairs. Lots of clanging and all kinds of noise. And I mean, and, and we had petitions that were donated to us. And there, there may have been a little petition here that maybe three or four desks was in it. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't, it's just hard to put in the words. Every Sunday, we did this. Now, eventually... Living Water School grew, and it kept growing, and it expanded. It wasn't, it wasn't just uh, uh, elementary kids. We, we went all the way up to, through high school. We had athletic teams, and I wish Jody was, was here today. I, I, I got his permission to use his name, but one of the uh, better basketball players we had during those days was Jody League. He was a good basketball player. And you know how I know that? I refereed a lot of those games. Now, you want to talk about pressure? I was calling fouls on the pastor's son Friday night before Sunday sermon. No wonder Don and I sat in the back row. But never a word was said. And later, Jody became a teacher in school when it became Cornerstone, and if not for Jody League, that gymnasium would not be built up there today. And I still remember to this day, we got out of church one Sunday, and we was going to get, for the first time, go get to see the new gym. And Jody didn't come up here too many times, but Brother Joe had him come up, and Jody says, if you're not wearing tennis shoes, you will take off your shoes when you come into the gym. (laughs) And he stood at the door and made sure 
that unless you were wearing tennis shoes, your shoes came off. He had pride in that. Without him, that would have never have happened. Ladies and gentlemen, today, Cornerstone Christian Academy has over 300 students. What a legacy. What a legacy. But you know, every year, fewer and fewer people know of it. I've got six grandkids that go Cornerstone. It never crossed my mind that when... I was moving chairs and setting up classrooms and doing whatever it is that we did to get ready, that one day I would have six grandchildren at Cornerstone Christian Academy. God came back and really blessed me. Oh, man. But when I take my grandkids on field trips, uh, I'll take the opportunity sometimes to talk with uh, some of the other parents, and I'll tell them. Because I, I do have some pride in that. I say, do, do you know that uh, Cornerstone started off as uh, Living Waters Christian School? And qu- quite a few of them say, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So if they don't know that Living Waters was the foundation of Cornerstone Christian Academy, do you think they remember your name? Your sacrifice? You think they, they know about the foundations that, that you laid? But it doesn't matter, because God knows. God knows. How many souls have been saved over the years because we laid those foundations 40 years ago? The world may not know, but God knows. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And it's not only Cornerstone Christian Academy. Look at some of the other foundations that's been laid through this church. Now, this is a church of about 150 people. You don't have to be a mega church. All you got to do is say, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. He'll take care of the rest of it. This little small church here not only has got Cornerstone Christian Academy going today, and it's my understanding, by the way, they got their sports programs too. Their boys' baseball team won the state tournament yesterday. I read that on Facebook. I hope it's right. You know how I feel about Facebook. All right? But look at Operation Care. Started by Teresa Harden here out of this body. Many people in this body were on the board. Randy Brown was the chairman of the board. I was the chairman of the board. Uh, Other people have played big roles in Operation Care. Look at Father's Love, started by Marty Brown. How many people have given of themselves and sacrificed? And you know what? (laughs) They may not know you, but it's okay. Look at at the, the missions that we've got. We've had missionaries to Taiwan. Honduras, we got missionaries in Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, how many people have been saved worldwide because in little Clay Village, Kentucky, a church of 150 people said, we're going to do what God tells us to do. And he's going to take care of the rest of us. That's the legacy that we want to leave. The world doesn't have to remember our name. And one day they won't. But God will remember. God will remember. 
And so I want to go over Hebrews 6.10 again because I want that to stay in your mind. And it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. And the love that you have shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them, God will not forget. On Christ the solid rock I stand. I'm putting my hope, my future, I'm putting everything about me not in the world. I'm thankful I'm here today. But I'm putting it in spiritual legacy. I stand with Jesus Christ. Because I know if I stand with Him, He's going to get things done. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to share your word today. And thank you so much, Lord, that you never let us down. You're always there for us. And Lord, we know that if we keep our foundations with you, that you will continue to build upon those foundations. Lord, we put our hopes in everything that we are in Christ the solid rock. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you.